Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Happy Libations Friday, loosey-goosey edition of the program. As always, great to be with you. Appreciate you. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew is probably driving around somewhere right now, having done all the machinations and things behind the scenes that he needed to do. It's a weird sort of deal today. I'll explain in just a minute. By the way, on Twitter, it's at Jay Cameron Show. Let's get it on. Let's get moving. Now, all right. Let's get this part out of the way right off the beginning. This is not ideal. We're going to admit it. I'm not going to harp on it. We had to pre-record this show this morning, in the morning early. Tom in and his lovely wife and director Matthew, for that matter, are all out of town. So we're, we're putting the band together from disparate places is what we're doing. We're all doing this, and we want to have fresh content for you. But sometimes when times don't align... Uh, you know, we got to get in here early, which means some of today's show could be dated because there may be news involving one of the transfer portal players. If it's the case that Key has said he's coming to Florida State, have no fear. There is a video, and Tom, I think you're going to attach it to this video. Yes. It's- and, and people can see the reaction about Key's uh, commitment if, in fact, he does pretty simple director matthew and i are hanging out this weekend at the beach he's on his way here there's an event tonight that he can't miss so here's how we're doing it i am live in the chat right now we could say hello to each other i'll even i'll even send a wave emoji to everybody right (laughs) now there it is yeah and also if we get the big news we have a reaction video to the big news in case it goes florida state's way that will be live in the feed pinned at the top and then for those of you driving around town saying, well, what about me? Check the War Chant podcast oh, feed. It's, it's, it's the seminal headlines feed. The coverage will be there as well. So we've got you covered all bases. It's the transfer portal kind of life. But I'm not not going to the beach. I'm sorry, Jalen Key, whether you're an Ola or not, I need my beach time, my man. we got to recharge. Well, there, yeah, this, this is the downside of that where we have um, sort of a um, – you know, discombobulated way of going about getting the content, but we want the content out there and we certainly want to be able to be uh, present when things happen. But when we speculated on what this would be and, and what it would mean, we've already done all of those things. You can do that here right now, whether he's coming or he's not. I mean, I've said this over and over again, whether it's him or Keon Coleman, for that matter, by the way. I mean, uh, does Florida State get better instantly with either one of these guys? Yes, they do. Does this make you feel better about your chances of winning a lot of football games this year and having some depth to do it? Yes, it does. Is it a uh, game changer in terms of are you bringing in 
a can't miss first round draft pick uh, at safety right now? No, it's not that. It's that Florida State lacks depth and experience at the position. And if all of a sudden he's there, you've got some depth and experience at the position. Your backups aren't suddenly freshmen. You have an opportunity to just be a better football team. Um, I think his commitment or not is a different discussion than, say, Keon Coleman. And you and I on yesterday's show, and I really loved yesterday's show, Spirited Show. You guys should listen to it. You should listen to it anyhow every day. But it was a really good show yesterday because we're getting into the nuts and bolts of what's going to take place before the state this fall. And, and here we are. It's basically mid-May. I'm going to start doing that thing that I always do where I just will us through summer. I just will us through summer, folks. That's another reason to tune in to the Jeff Cameron Show in the summertime is that I get us there, baby. I'm bridging the gap. I'm finding a way. It may be a off-topic, meandering, whatever observation, and Tom and I joking around having some fun just to get through the day. But it's also just pointing out, that you haven't even had a chance to blink yet, and it's mid-May. Buddy, that's a good sign. Let's go. We'll be in June before you know it. We'll all be celebrating my birthday, and then it's July. And in July, it's football season. Forget about it. So that's all you got to do. You just got to get through these months, clunky or not. That's how we roll. But honestly, what's going to take place for Florida State has us all on edge in a good way. The... The more you add to the existing talent that Florida State has, and it's important to continue to point this out, if nobody else comes, if today's news is not good news or it's delayed or we don't know, or if down the line neither of these kids come our way or both come our way, the bottom line is Florida State's a really good football team right now. Those expectations, they're unwavering. We expect Florida State, so does Las Vegas expect Florida State to, if not win the ACC, certainly be in the mix to win the ACC. And I think the odds certainly suggest Florida State is the favorite to win the SEC. Just think about that for a moment. Think about it for a moment. They're the favorite to win the ACC. The reason that's a big deal isn't because you're going to win the ACC. God knows we've won it a gazillion times, but also because the conference is weak and everything else. It's because they're telling you We think Florida State has caught Clemson and surpassed them. And that matters now because Clemson does matter. Clemson, unlike the rest of these teams in the ACC, has mattered nationally. They have been on par with and better than Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, like all of the teams that are competing for titles. That's who Clemson's neighborhood, that's where their house is, right? If if the... If the folks in Vegas and the people covering college football think that Florida State has now moved into that neighborhood, it is a very big deal. We feel like we're coming home. We feel like we're back where we belong. We feel like these are worthy, rightful expectations of what Florida State football ought to be year in and year out. And so that gets us geared up and pumped up about what's going to happen. Now, if you throw in a couple more talented players, And I speculated yesterday, what if they get Keon Coleman? Do you know how much better our wide receiver room is now where everybody can get down a notch where all of a sudden now you've got a legitimate stud one and stud two, man, this is already going to be a very difficult offense to deal with. Throw that into the mix. If it, if it were to happen, buddy. Yeah. I, I just, I continue to push the idea and I believe this, that, 
if you have to reset everything about your roster this year or next year because you're going for broke for Keon Coleman, I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. However, however, if he does fall in line, and there are multiple lines that you can fall in, if you take to my point, but if he does fall in line with everything else around him and it you don't cut your nose off to spite your face with a Hakeem Williams moving forward, with Vandravius Jacobs, you know, as they develop into the program. And this next wave of receivers that you're bringing in, somewhere between four and six out of the high school ranks for the 2024 class, as long as you don't reset those markets, then hell yeah, it's an upgrade. But the question is, is it worth the squeeze or are you going to affect yourself in the in, in the immediate term and in the long term by going after this kid? If that's not an issue, then of course it's a huge upgrade. So the way I look at this, and we talked about it yesterday, you got to be careful with a couple of guys. You can't run the risk of upsetting the apple cart as it pertains to Johnny, as it pertains to other offensive players, Tom. We, we, we may have to consider that. It, it, let's say you're bringing in a kid. I don't know what the going rate is, so I won't even speculate. But, you know, I, I think I said yesterday on the show, whatever, $200,000, $300,000. It's, it's all silly money. And, and all of a sudden, you you you, you got to factor that in, and let's say that that's what it's going to take. Well, yeah, you worry about Johnny, and maybe you worry about Portier, or maybe you don't. Um, but but are, aren't you also worried about, say, Trey Benson? Aren't you worried about any number of other offensive players that are like, well, wait a minute now? you know? And so this is the problem with the yeah. balancing act that all programs have to deal with. You, yeah. you, you have to take a risk. But that, but this is what I'm saying is I don't think this is the risk worth taking if it would create all those other issues. It's just it just plainly is not worth it. You're loaded right. anyway. This yeah. is the luxury item that could put you over the top. And if it falls in line with everything else yeah. and nobody's pissed off about the move that would be a starter and an impact player, then sure. That's let me something ask you that a question. you have to look at. Okay. Let, yeah. Let, let me ask you a question. So if I said to you, because I think that this there are times, we've said this before, where they have made a decision, the, the, the coaches have, where they've decided to go get a player and they haven't, they don't care what the repercussions are. I, that's yeah. maybe not a right way of saying it. They're unconcerned that it perhaps frustrates a player. And I use the McClendon example and Gilbert Edmond, right? They went and got Gilbert Edmond. I don't think they gave a damn what Derek McClendon thought about that. So, so they lost, so they lost Derek McClendon because Derek McClendon was angry that they went and got Gilbert Edmond, essentially a comp. Right. And, and so they, he didn't like that. So he left and he's at Colorado now. And the coaches clearly were willing to take that risk. They don't care. They were like, okay, fine. Derek leaves, whatever. Um, In this case, Tom, and maybe it has zero repercussions if, in fact, they get Keon Coleman. But if they get him and Kentron Portier leaves, you all right? I hate the trend um, because I, I like the Portier story, and this is a hypothetical world that we're living in. Very hypothetical. But it's, it's the math you've got to do if you're going to make this decision. That's what I mean. I think I think the coaches have already told you it's worth it in terms of the talent upgrade because they hosted Coleman. You know what I mean? Like so, by nature of pursuing this player, they've already done those calculations and they've decided what their answer is, which is more important than what I do. 
I just I do get uncomfortable on both sides of this issue. On the coaching side, where I point the finger at the coaching staff, I say, "Man, you've worked hard to develop this kid, and he's on the brink. I think of doing some important things, and it could be as soon as this year." Is it a sure thing like Coleman is? No, no, it's not. But I think it's going in a really healthy direction for Kentron and his career. So I'd like to see him finish that at Florida State. Now, if you bring in this kid and you run the risk of him not being able to do that, I think that's a shame. I know what you would say, which is, well, that's a shame, Tom, but it also fortifies an extra win or whatever. And that's and that's fair. The other side of it is, you know, if a kid does all the hard work at an institution and he was a three-star and he's brought in, and now he's on the brink of being a really good player at that university who took a chance on him, and he says, I'm out because I got triple the money to go somewhere else. I don't like that side of it either. This this is kind of a nasty business. It always was, but now it's even more kind of nasty in the open, in the open air. So um, it's a long-winded way of saying Coleman's an upgrade. I'd like to see what Kentron could do, but Coleman would be an upgrade, and there's just no question about that. And Malik McLean was going to have a good year, and he left, yeah. and we that's fine. I mean, you're going to lose. This is college football today. This is yeah. what we're in. This is this is the business. And you have said this, and this is another reason this changes the math a little bit, but you have brought up this is the year to go for it. Yeah, yeah. Because you have Jordan F. and Travis – and you have a deep offensive line, and you have a, a star wide receiver in Johnny Wilson, and you brought in Jaheim Bell, who's as dynamic a player as you're going to see in this offense, who I don't even know. We'll see Jaheim Bell come off the field this year. He can do everything. So part of we talk about the dynamic aspect of this offense, you got all these guys. The offense is going to be the strength of this team. Keon Coleman, if he's here, adds to this already – dynamic offense in a way that tells me there ain't no defense in the country that's going to stop it well and if another thing if i'm cantron i don't leave because i'm going to get a, i'm going to get a lot of quality reps next year and this year when i do get on the field man i'm going to have the best matchups in the country for somebody as talented as i am because the kid's going to be confident for somebody as talented as i am if you've got what you just said, your H-back, you got Morlock, you got Johnny and Keon, a collection of three of those guys is going to be on the field with me at the same time. I'm going to smoke the guy that's across from me, and I'm going to be a production machine. Might only be 30, 40 catches somewhere in between there at most, but do you know how productive those are going to be and how much attention I'm going to get the offseason uh, between the, this season and next? I mean, that's where you've got to think ahead and think long-term. The one thing I would say, too, just to backtrack on the McClendon-Edmond example, McClendon was a problem behind the scenes anyway. There were a couple of tweets, public things on social media, where he was pissed off about not getting enough FaceTime and a hype video, things like that, where I think the coaching staff did the math and said, if we get a comp player who's a transfer who we know can't go anywhere because he has now used his transfer chip to go from one other place to Florida State, we are all the safer. We've got a similar player, and we know that he is going to be locked in. And that's the hard part about the transfer portal, which is you're always on edge with the kids you bring in from high school. But if you go get a kid from a Power 5 institution who is similar, they're stuck with you until they complete their undergraduate degree. So I, I understand all the dynamics at play here. I would just say that I think the mcclendon Edmond situation was a little bit different behind the scenes than it would be if there's a Coleman-Kentron issue. But there is no doubt 
that when you're talking about productivity, Keon Coleman is an absolute across-the-board upgrade. I just don't want to see us be screwed over in the now and in the future for that one move because I don't think you have to make it. It's a luxury. You're better if he's here. Yeah. You're going for it. You've anted up. The chips are in. You understand there's a possible fallout, and you're willing to take the risk. These are the things we're talking about. Yeah. And they're all speculative. You know, this conversation is happening because we know that we want Jalen Key. We know that we would like Keon Coleman. He's been here. You just pointed it out. He visited. So it's this is not me making stuff up. The kid was here. No, they're telling you what what math they're willing to do. I mean, they have to have this conversation. Mike Norvell is one of the more calculated people I've ever met in my life, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying he thinks things through. Yes. He knows that every action has potential ramifications. And so the idea of pursuing Coleman, and look, he didn't say yes to Ole Miss on that visit immediately. They didn't lock it down when he was there. So And he might go on a couple others. We'll see. Well, I don't know what the latest is as of lunchtime today, but the fact that he didn't go to Ole Miss and immediately say yes, when we know that they're very aggressive in the sphere, well, tells me that Florida State was not about just a kind of a dog and pony show to have him here. They were very serious when they had him on campus. Well, so you, you are hitting the nail on the head here with why I am excited about the possibility I, I, I woke up this morning thinking a couple of things, and I've been thinking a lot about this, and that's the reason we've been talking about it. It's, it's omnipresent on my mind here. I, I feel like we're witnessing, you know, we've been working on this damn puzzle that's been out on the kitchen table for a month and a half, and it's one of these very complicated puzzles. And now somebody found the cornerstone, the key piece that puts it all together, and all of a sudden – you know, Eureka, you come home from work and you and your family has been doing this puzzle and you're trading out turns and everybody has, I mean, we do that. So (laughs) I bring that up. So all of a sudden I look over and Bryce or Christy or Clark, somebody found a piece and that allows me to see the board differently. And now I'm looking at the board. I'm like, oh, 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 that's the blue sky. Here it is. Here it is. And I'm starting to put in the other pieces and I can't wait, but I got to go. I got to go. So somebody else is going to have to do the rest, but now I'm adding, right? So this thing is coming together. This thing will be done, you know, in my mind. I come, I'm thinking when I get home tonight for dinner, we're finishing this puzzle. We, we are putting this baby to rest. I'm tired of this thing. Well, listen, that's what this is to me. We are now looking at a team that needs a veteran presence at safety. They need some depth there. I don't even know if Key's going to start. I'll be honest with you. I've watched 30 seconds of UAB last year. I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert at UAB. I don't know how good Key is. I just know that I love our coach's ability to assess talent and have it come in and blend with with the rest of the team. Well, and do you love Alabama's ability to look at talent and say, yeah. Great point, right? So clearly lots of people see very good value in Jalen Key. Okay, so if we get him, we're better. We're just better, period. And it's an area of weakness. We'll see. Uh, again, I want to reiterate at the time that you're listening to this, you might be screaming at the radio. We did get him. Well, if we did, Tom has pinned a video with our reaction. All right. His reaction and Iris reaction and the whole deal. Now, now same thing applies here to, to Keon Coleman. I, we don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But Tom just brought up a very important point. 
I know, and we all do, anecdotally, factually, there is direct evidence. You read the articles, watch what's happened in the in, in, in this last year, and note what Ole Miss is, what they're attempting to do, who their head coach is, their desire to win, right? What does it tell you? Well, it tells you that in the landscape of NIL, they're very aggressive. They have um, a, a collective that is efforting to ensure that Ole Miss can also compete in the West. They have attempted to get Keon Coleman to sign with them. Maybe he will. Maybe he will. I don't know. But I do know every hour that goes by, Tom, that he has not yeah. is a good sign for us. It's well, not like the – to your point – we know that they gave him, based on the people that cover Ole Miss and what they've written, you go read the on three stories, there was a very competitive offer for yeah. Keon Coleman. We know that. Yeah, I'd say, you know. Why hasn't he signed? Why hasn't he said, I'm going to Ole Miss? If it was such a haymaker, if it was such a big offer, if it was such a huge can't miss, they're really throwing the kitchen sink at him. Well, if it were, he would have already signed. So but my it, guess is this is still up in the air, and every hour that goes by, I like Florida State's chances. Well, and if it was a haymaker offer, you know, this happens in professional sports all the time, and you just have to use these analogies because this is what college football has become. But in free agency, there are times where a guy who is coveted will go to a championship-level team that's one piece away, or maybe they're not. Maybe they're in a situation like Florida State where it's a luxury item. And that team, like the Steelers or the Patriots or whoever, they don't offer them a ton of money. Golden State in the NBA level, they don't offer a ton of money, but they offer a chance at a championship, and they say that this is the pitch. We're going to win. It's going to increase your profile. We don't need a seven-year deal from, from you. How about a one- or a two-year deal? It's worth 60% of the market value, but you're going to end up winning out in the long run. You know, I think if Florida State made a pitch like that where they said, severe discount in terms of what we're going to bring to the table, but the eyes are on the set. I think the old Miss offer would have been enough. I think the difference in the open market would have been enough for Keon Coleman to shut things down and say, I'm a rebel. Let's do this thing. But because that did not happen, it tells me putting the pieces together that Florida state's offer was serious, was not well hemming and hawing. You could do this. And so we could fit you in there. And because that's the case, I'm going Step by step, that tells me that the coaching staff had this very conversation that we had to begin this show today, and they said it's worth the risk yes. as long as it fits into this line. Well, My whole thing is just don't screw up your roster for one luxury player. I don't think that's what they're trying to do here. I think they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, and we'll see if it works out. Well, buddy, the good thing is we have overwhelming evidence that their approach to players in the portal is one that shows an understanding of the sensitivity of this process. So yeah. they have found ways to bring in guys that have been hugely impactful and changed Florida State's fortunes repeatedly. Yeah. You know, I mean – Kier Thomas keeps coming to mind for me. I mean, that game, that, that was a game changer. Obviously, Jermaine Johnson, but these are game changers. Yeah. And those guys were great locker room guys. It all worked out. 
yeah, Kier was, I think Kier was a more comprehensive blend. Jermaine was a little flashier, but he loves the university and he's a great ambassador. He also showed up big in the biggest games. Correct, correct. I'm just saying from from flipping a culture, Kier Thomas was instrumental and it's not talked about a lot. It was very, very important to get that type of player. And my concern is, and it might be unwarranted. I know it might be, but my concern is that since we're so close, don't cut corners now. You've come so far, so just don't cut corners at the end because you think we're really close to doing something that's going to screw you over in the long term. It happened to Jimbo, and I don't want it to happen here. And I don't, I don't have evidence to that. And I'm just, this is, this is, we got a good thing going, baby. We got a really good thing going. This snowball effect, it's huge now. We are back in the conversation. Yeah. Yep. So. Don't blow it all up in the NIL era with one bad decision. And that's, that will always be me, the paranoid radio producer guy. But, but, there, but there's, there are different conversations. And in a second, I want to tell you why. It's Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. We continue in a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply what's up guys our next partner that you're going to hear from is athletic greens you've heard me talk about athletic greens in the past happy to talk about them again i take athletic greens every day And I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, It had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it, uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's athletic greens. And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning and I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. 
talked about not you know we're coming close to the finish line here don't screw it all up and cut corners at the very end and Jimbo had this happen and so forth and I get your point Tom and I think it's relevant but I think it is very different when we start looking at the downturn and the backsliding that occurred under Jimbo Fisher and the potential problems that this coaching staff is going to have moving forward as we enter the upper um, echelon of college football and that is that Jimbo made one critical error, and it cost him everything. And he made a series of errors, but this one critical error, I think, affected his downfall here at Florida State. The other stuff was sort of ancillary. It mattered whether you talked about his personal life and a tough, you know, tough situation there, going through a divorce, and then obviously nobody wants anybody to have a family member get sick, and he did, and and and, the, and, and his son, and I, these are all terrible things the relationship with the school and the athletic department, all these things, obviously it didn't help him that Monk Bonasort passed away. That was the one trusted voice he had that he could, he could, you know, vent and Monk understood that he could take that in and also understand the points Jimbo was making and bring it back over there to the university side and all that. And these are all things that mattered, but what really mattered was Jimbo allowed the culture of the locker room to erode and to become a place of dysfunction. He lost the locker room and he lost the locker room because he did not do what he said and said what he would do. He didn't do that. He was wildly inconsistent. He would threaten, threaten, threaten and never follow through. And players began to realize you're full of it. You're, you're not what you say you are. You're not the man you pretend to be. You tell us to do this thing and that this is the right thing. And then you don't do that. You routinely decide to look the other way when players violate team rules, violate the tenets of what you believe to be important on a daily basis of practice from effort and, and focus standpoints and timeliness and everything else. These players refuse to do what you tell them to do, and yet you still play them and start them every game, every day in practice. You'll kick a guy out of practice on a Tuesday and tell him he's not welcome here, and he's starting the next day in the scrimmage. That You cannot do that and keep a team together. He lost that team, and once you lose the locker room, it's over. You can't get them back because they, you know, they will pass that on to the next group. They tell the next group, hey, this guy yells, barks a lot. He, he's not going to follow up on anything. Don't worry about it. Let it go one ear out the other. You cannot do that or say that about Mike Norvell and that coaching staff. They're nothing if not incredibly consistent. Every day, day in and day out, we've not seen any violations of that, that trust and that locker room bond. Now, guys can get mad about their situation and decide to leave. Guys can be like, well, I don't like that you brought in a player over me and I feel betrayed, I feel frustrated, and I want to leave. Okay, well, fair enough. I never said I wasn't going to recruit over you. I never said I wasn't going to try to get better. I never said I wasn't going to raise the floor of talent around here. If you can't compete or don't want to compete or don't like to compete, then you can leave. But it's not because 
I'm a hypocrite. And because I'm not showing up first thing every morning, doing the things that I tell everybody else to do is you, you can't say that my staff hasn't followed through with all the things we value. You won't lose. NIL is a risky business. Big time college football is weird right now. People get their feelings hurt a lot, especially when money enters the picture. That's in any workplace. You know, you find out Ted got a raise and you think you're a better employee than Ted. It affects you. It affects your mood every day when you come to the office. Uh, so we know that's not different than any other place of, uh, of employment. But I don't I, th I think as long as your core tenants are in place and you continue to follow them and, and the coaching staff across the board does the same, you're going to be all right. You may lose a kid who gets a little bummed out about another kid coming in. And you may get some frustrations or you may even get uh, picked apart by other programs who need a player uh, of a caliber that you have at a certain position. And maybe you have an overabundance of them. You may still lose those guys, but that doesn't change. You're not losing the culture. Yeah, the, this is all fair. And, and he hasn't done anything, Mike Norvell, that is, to put him in a position where he could be questioned on that front with consistency and messaging and, and all that kind of stuff. It's just, you know, if the system of college football today was what it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I'd feel even better about the situation that we're in with Mike Norvell, because it, when you talk about transparency and, you know, practicing what you preach, like all of those things would go farther in that era than they would now, because NIL has to be a piece of the pie. It has to be. And I am just, very concerned because I like where we live now. We're improving. Things are on the – I'm not trying to be a chicken little. It's just one little incorrect decision in the NIL era forces widespread ramifications in a way that they did not before the NIL era. It's like maybe in Jimbo's time it was a high-wire act and there was a safety net underneath it. Now you've got a balance bar. There are crocodiles and a moat underneath it. There's no net. <laughs> And it's just this thing that you have to balance. And we are in such a good and healthy position offensively. This is all relative to the Keon Coleman discussion. We are in such a good position offensively that he has to profile as somebody who's going to fit in the locker room. And then when the battle's end has a conversation with him, the battle's end knows that this isn't going to piss five guys off on the current roster. And then the next six wide receivers that are blue chippers that are coming down the pike and then reset the market for themselves. Don't bid against yourself. Don't put yourself in a position to where going for something now, which, yes, I want to win this year. This is the one to go after. But I don't want it to spite the next four or five seasons of what we're trying to do as a collective and as a program or vice versa, however you want to order it. That's all I'm saying. I know I've belabored the point, but we're pretty freaking good right now without the players. So don't bend over backwards for them. Yeah, I think I'm somewhere in between. I'm not all that concerned about 2025, 2026 right now. I, I want to win the whole damn thing. I'd like to get after it this year. I, I agree with your point that we are poised to be something special this year. And if you upset a player like Portier, and that's not a shot at Portier, um, I, I'll live with it. I'll live with it, especially because you have Andravius Jacobs and Hakeem Williams coming down the pike. And, yeah. you know, I'm willing to take that risk if it's only that risk. To your point, if it's only that risk, if it's not a domino effect of, yeah. hey, you made Portier mad, he's going to leave. Oh, by the way, you also pissed off these two running backs and this tied in. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. Yeah, you don't, you, you got to be careful not to self-sabotage yeah. over one player. I, I agree with that. Well, we've had this discussion in the past. It took a different form 
and that's about going and pursuing a transfer quarterback or if there's right. a quarterback battle and it's 50-50 or let's say it's 55-45, but the yeah. guy who won the job is not liked in the locker room and you know you're going to lose the locker room over it because it's not discernibly different mm-hmm. that this player is better. Because talent, you know, if a player is way better than his compatriot, even though one guy is beloved, everybody wants to win. So if it's a yes. significant difference, it's an easy sell to make. But if it's close... And even if maybe one guy lost by just a little bit, might you side with the player who is going to have everybody rally around him and believe in him mm-hmm. more over the guy who might have won the job barely? It's it's kind of a nasty thing, but we live in the gray areas, and NIL has only increased the gray area. It is now a vast ocean of gray in college football that you have to navigate day in and day out. Yeah, this is where we talk about defining your terms. I think it's very important to always define your terms. And I'm sure they've done the math behind the scenes and they've certainly evaluated the tape. The Lord knows there's a lot of it. Um, if, uh, if, if, if they look at that math and say, Keon Coleman is uh, appreciably better than Kentron Portier uh, in power five competition, uh, then, you know, then you, you, you do the calculation and you, you take that risk. Mm-hmm. If that's the conclusion you've come to. And I would think, like you've said, they came to that conclusion. That's yeah. why they hosted him. Well, and it, look, if this sounds stupid, I, I apologize, everybody. But it, it, here's an oversimplification. In an era without NIL, this is a no-brainer. This is this is easy. Right, because kids couldn't leave. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But NIL complicates matters, is is my point. And oh, very, very much so. It can, it could be the thing that unravels. Look at Life Wallet. Look at Miami. That's a, that's it. Look at Texas A and M. Weren't they the toast of college football just a year ago? And you know, Jimbo's on the podium calling Saban the the devil. You know, they had the devil that he made the deal with, and and all these kinds of things. And they bought their recruiting class, and maybe that was overblown. But they were the toast of the NIL world. They were trailblazers. And now they're an abject disaster, and, and it can happen that fast. So that's the, the cautionary tale. It tends to happen that way, it seems. There's a trend with uh, teams that are uh, <laughs> led by Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> that seems to be the common denominator here. But, uh, uh, by the way, just an aside while we're on the subject, Texas A&M is going to be fascinating as all hell this oh, there's year. A- there's a book or two coming out about Texas A&M. I yeah. mean, this upcoming season, for as excited as we are about Florida State and its role in this grand picture show that we, we talk about, that character known as Texas A&M is a very interesting character to this whole movie plot. I mean, this is, this is it is, don't you feel like this is it? If they're terrible again, A, he's going to get fired. But the dirty laundry is coming out. You're going to find out about no. all of it if this thing goes south again this year. What I'm saying is you don't have to air the personal dirty laundry because that's not fair to anybody. But maybe you and Ira better find the uh, the version of you and Ira up there in that market and say, hey, let's put together a nice little book here about all the weird crap that happened in the back half of the FSU experience and then you know, the entirety of this Texas A&M experience. They did beat Alabama the one time, so that that's something that's on the docket. But I believe Kevin Sumlin did that too. So He beat Alabama last year, didn't he? Did he beat him last year? He beat him a couple years ago, the kid that kicked it at the end. I don't know yeah, if they beat him last year. I can't year. remember which one it was. Yeah, you're right. Oh, no, they didn't beat him last year, but they, like, hung in there again. 
Yeah. I no, think- the game the game that they got smoked was South Carolina because by the time that everybody got in their seats, it was already twenty one to nothing or twenty four to nothing. Yeah, it was a weird game. Yeah. I just like so if you're watching this, you, you talk about the intrigue behind NIL. Also, the intrigue of a Jimbo Fisher press conference is high on the list of things to laugh about. The fact that they had a kid come in that left a lower level school like New Mexico state or something weird. I can't remember who it was. And he comes to Texas A&M and they're starting spring practice in Jimbo offhandedly remarks. Uh, well, we'll see if he's out of practice. We're not sure. Um, there's some things that are unfinished with him because he got asked about him by a press, by a member of the press. And then he kind of just tries to skirt it and says, you know, well, that's the way it is with transfer portal kids. A lot of times they come in and then they, 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 maybe it's not the right fit and they, and they want to leave. No, no, that doesn't happen, Jimbo. It doesn't happen that people commit to you are there less than a week. And before they ever step foot on the practice field, decide maybe this ain't it for me. I mean, that, this speaks of wild dysfunction behind the scenes. And that's, that's crazy. Well, I mean, remember, there were stories about players in a fight in a locker room with recruits, I think, last year. Was that what happened? And then may I remind you that behind the curtain, not too far behind the curtain, I'm sure you could see the bill of his hat poking out. Bobby Petrino is the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Yeah. Lest we forget. Yeah. And I will speak out of school here for a moment. I don't think Jimbo likes the Petrino family. Not at all. It adds a layer to this that makes it amazing. We've always respected his offenses and the way he does things, the way he, you know he does what what it what it is and what what he does, and you know, and uh, we knew we could bring him in here, and you know, guys, guys, all the offenses are the exact same. Everybody runs a hitch. A hitch is a hitch. Uh, if you're if you're running a dig, it's a dig. It's a post. It's a post. I, you can ask me about the pay, play call. It's all the same. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not all the same, Coach. Not all the same. So is he going to call plays? Oh, that, that's the plan. I mean, he for the things that we do and the way it is. And uh, uh, again, a post is a post. It doesn't matter who calls it. Really. <laughs> Never, never mattered your entire career, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the best. I, who calls what? Well, who called, who called you? That's it. That's it. That's who calls what is it? That's <laughs> who, who's calling you? Can I ask you that? You guys want to ask me all the time about calls? Who called you today? Who called? Let me see your phone. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Hey, pivoting from uh, Florida State and, and Jimbo Fisher and the, the folly that might be Texas A&M season, I doubt you watched this last night. I know if I were headed over to the beach uh, and, and getting ready to 
watch live music, I probably would have been out and about or just enjoyed the beach or whatever. But did you watch uh, the Sixers Celtics last night? I did not. No, I was. Uh, we were doing a little work behind the scenes. I was trying to make the weekend a little easier on Warchant TV, Warchant.com. So what happened? So the reason I bring this up is uh, poor director Matthew, and I know you're listening to this director Matthew. Big hugs, buddy. Oh no, what happened? <laughs> well, the, the, so the Celtics won in Philadelphia, and Philadelphia had a chance to close out the Celtics, having just beat Boston in Boston, and you know they haven't been to the conference finals since 2001, I think, when Allen Iverson got them there. So it's been 22, 23 years since they've done anything of any significance, and the Celtics look dead in the water. And more importantly, Jason Tatum, who's the Celtics' best player. Tom, this is why I bring this up. This is amazing to me. We, You and I love to talk about the mental aspect of uh, playing a sport, any sport, golf, you name it, whatever it might be, and toughness and confidence or lack thereof and all that. They're on the road in Philadelphia. The crowd's going nuts. They've got the reigning MVP, Joel Embiid, who's playing pretty well. They've somehow reanimated the corpse of James Harden in this series, and he's decided that his old fat no-jumping self is going to be good again. Everything has gone right for them. And they're at home with the lead, and Jason Tatum is 1-14 for 14 from the field going into the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So to recap, Boston is down three games to two. The game is in Philadelphia. The reigning MVP is playing well in front of the hometown crowd. They have the lead going to the fourth. And the best player on the floor, Jason Tatum, is one for 14 and can't buy a basket. And his teammates are looking at him like, what are you doing? Are you throwing the game? Is something wrong with you? Do you need surgery? What is happening? And then, just like that, Harden misses a shot because that's what he does. And the Celtics come down and Tatum hits a three with Embiid closing out on him. So a great defender who's seven feet tall is closing on him. It is an awkward three from the baseline and he hits it. What's the margin at that point, roughly? That puts Boston up one. Oh, God. So he's one for 14 and they're within a basket? That's the crazy thing is that oh, Brogdon played well, Smart played well, Jalen Brown played well, and also Harden played terribly because that's what he does. Uh, he was five for 16, or he was four for 16 with five turnovers. Anyhow, so he, here you go. Back and forth they go, back and forth they go, but it's a kind of a rock fest here. And then Tatum hits the three. The Sixers come down, Embiid misses a field goal. They come back down, Tatum hits another three. And the crowd is kind of like, this is not happening. This is not happening. This is not happening. Now they're down uh, four. There's another miss. And then Boston comes down and Tatum hits another three. <laughs> and it's like, dude woke up out of nowhere in the fourth quarter with the season on the line against the hated Sixers in their place. And instantly everybody knew it was over. It was over. And so Boston wins, and there'll be a game seven back in Boston. Should be fun. Boston at home is seven and nine in their last 16 games. So it's not like it's a guarantee they're going to win game seven, although Matthew thinks it's over. 
And I think if you're a Philadelphia fan, you probably think it's over too. They blew this great chance. But I just <laughs> want to point out, like, do you know the size of your cojones, what they have to be to be yeah, one of 14 and to pull up for a three with Embiid closing out on you with on the road and to hit that and decide, oh, I'm just going to win the game now. Generally speaking, I just want to focus the last couple seconds here. The Philadelphia fan experience right now is good. The Eagles are good. The uh, obviously the Phillies have Bryce Harper back. Yeah, the Flyers. The Sixers are where they are. The Flyers just hired TV analyst Keith Jones to be their team president. Oh my God, their team president. Not even a coach. Not a GM. <laughs> Couldn't happen to a nicer fan base or town. <laughs> I just again. There is a small sample size of how somebody could go from I'm losing it, I have no chance, I can't win, to oh, that went in. I'm awesome again. Screw you, I'm going to win. Hour number two, fourth coming. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.